You know, as we look through Philippians, uh, Philippians is uh, called the, uh, the epistle of joy. It is, uh, it is called that for a number of reasons. One, because the word joy is used all the way through the epistle. Now, what it really should be called, and my preferred term for it, and you've heard me say this uh, several times, is it should be not just simply called the epistle of joy. It should be called a shocking epistle of joy. And you say, why should it be called a shocking epistle of joy? Because where was Paul when he wrote Philippians? He was in jail. That's the most shocking part about it. Not that he uses joy, joy, joy over the world, I mean, over and over again throughout the word. It's that Paul is in a Roman prison writing to free people, telling them to be more joyful. I mean, that is shocking, right? How many of you would agree with that? That is shocking. That is not what we would have said. You know, and, and I pray that as we journey through this as men and as a church, that we would be a shocking people filled with an overwhelming joy, all right? That's my prayer. My prayer is that when people show up here on campus, when our people show up on this, when other people are bent out of shape and other people are struggling and, and, and other people wonder what's going on, and th that we just overwhelm people with a sense of joy. And, and let me tell you what, I am going to be joyful through there, there There is a heavy weight. I feel like, you know, if, if I could ever be the Eeyore pastor, it would be me right now because I feel like everywhere I go, uh, there's a cloud. Uh, you know, I, uh, it's, it's, it, about the time we celebrate a success, there's always a setback, right? And sometimes it's that way in your life. And we had an amazing celebration of success as a church. We built this chapel, paid for it. We added to it basically uh, children's space, badly needed children's space, dedicated children's room. that were the best we've ever had for six weeks. We had a lot, right? And it was great. And I will tell you, as a pastor and as a ministry staff, you work hard to celebrate those seasons we were in. The church had momentum. There wasn't a ministry in the church that wasn't growing and wasn't successful. There wasn't a place in church. You know, there's always things that we can, we can badger each other about or complain. Something can be a little better. The music can be too loud or too soft or, you know, lights there, lights there, a different song. There's always something going on anytime you have an organization this big. But you, you, you just love those seasons, and it was very short-lived. And a lot of times, more the mark of our maturity in our lives is not how do we do what, how do we respond when we're on the mountaintop. The true mark of our spiritual journey and our spiritual walk and our spiritual maturity is how we respond when we're in the dark valley. And so, guys, I just want to encourage us as men today as we journey forward to understand how we respond as believers to each other and, and, and to the world in this season probably says more about who we really are as a church than the fact that we were able to build a chapel and build new children's space last year. This says more about who we are. Because when you look at Paul's words and you see what Paul um, said, we need to understand this is an opportunity. As you think all the way back to our founding fathers, they said, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed with their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, 
liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, happiness is not something the government can give to you. How many of you understand that? There are not, a lot of people need to understand that. Uh, happiness is not something your company can give to you. Uh, the reality of it is, guys, happiness is not something your wife can give to you. It's not something your kids can give to you. It's not something that the car you drive or the house you live in can give to you. It's not something your health can give to you. I know lots of people that are extremely healthy but are amazingly miserable. To be joyful and to be happy is a pursuit. Also, we need to understand, and this is important because we come, when we come to Philippians chapter 4, this is significant. Circumstances are not something that can give you joy in your life. I know a lot of people that I would trade lives with them in a heartbeat to have their circumstances over my circumstances. But those circumstances aren't making them happy, and there are no guarantees that their circumstances would make me happy. And so how we respond in these seasons says more about who we are than anything else. Guys, we're on a journey together. We're on a pursuit of happiness. That's what our founding fathers talked about. But if you look back to Paul, man, that's what Paul talked about. Paul, Paul looked around and what was his greatest desire to share the gospel? Paul looked at these, uh, these Roman guards that would rotate through. They were chained to his side. And he said, well, look at here. God just changed you to me. I'm going to share. I got something to share with you. Can you imagine that poor fool uh, Roman guard that uh, when is my shift up? Because this dude is gospel and Jesus and joy and gospel and Jesus and joy. Man, can you imagine him switching the change to another guy? I mean, that is what Paul was about. And that's what we should be about. And we're going to be chained, you know, we're going to be chained to a rebuilding program for a while. We're going to be chained to difficult circumstances for a while. But this can be an incredible opportunity for us to demonstrate the gospel to other people. So as you think about, if we are going to learn contentment, um, here's what we need to think about it. Harry Truman, I love some, some historic quotes. So Harry, Harry Truman one time said, Work hard, do your best, keep your word. Uh, never get too big for your own britches. Trust in God, have no fear, and never forget a friend. You know, all those things are good things, right? And you think about it, don't get too big for your britches. You know, that, we always want to make sure we don't do that. Work hard, do your best, keep your word, never get too big for your britches. Trust in God and Him alone. Don't fear anything and never forget a friend. And when I thought about us in here, I thought, man, that's really where we are, guys. We need to understand that we should never forget a friend. And, and there are times that... that um, that we are in need, there are times that others are in need, and we need to be that person that shows up in someone else's life. Because here's what you, know, you can understand. We can sit here and raise Paul to a massive level of a superstar and a super saint, and we should. I, I want you to know we absolutely should because he was that. But if you look specifically through the book of Philippians, he gives you about 30 names of people who are important to him or who he would like to see, 
or who he wants to encourage. Why? Because Paul, along the way, never forgot a friend. Now, you can also look at some of Paul's writing. He never forgot an enemy either because he called him out. Anybody ever read some of those? Hey, listen, by the way, oh, so-and-so, he's pretty much a knucklehead. But there were times that Paul understood in the midst. You know, and, and you think back early in his days as a missionary, he and Barnabas got in a big fight over a guy named John Mark. You go to the latter stages of Paul's life, Paul said, hey, I'd love to see Mark because he, he, he's a good and faithful friend. You know, so even a guy that is, was hard like Paul, and I, I, I bet you Paul from time to time was hard. Even he turned around and said, you know, that guy I dumped on for a season, that guy that uh, Barnabas and I got in a big fight right there, <laughs> you know, when we're sharing the gospel, we got in a big, and, and if you go look in the words, the, he, the Greek word there used that they got in, a, in an argument, he, Paul and Barnabas, it said they got in a no small dispute. If you look at the Greek word, they got in a shouting match. They got in a shouting match. Both of them had a passion for the gospel. One just had a passion for a person in the midst of the gospel. One just had a person said, man, I can find someone else. We're not going to drag that dead weight around. And, and so God ended up doing what? Using them both. Why? Because they just went and did their thing. Barnabas just went and became Barnabas, rebuilt John Mark. Paul, man, he had, he had, he had, he had Timothy and Titus and Silas. And so he always had someone else to go with him. So don't ever forget a friend. So as we journey through this as a church, I want you to know we journey through together. And the most joy we're going to have is when we share it with other people. That when we walk through and we don't bear the weight alone and we don't, uh, we don't uh, feel like we got to pull uh, everything in our own. So let me give you a, a, a couple of thoughts on contentment. And we're going to see them right here from the, you know, when you were in need, when you were in need, uh, and if you're going to really have joy in your life, write this down, all right? Take a little note. Isn't there a song that says something like that? Write this down. If you're going to have joy in your life, you better be content with the possessions you already have. You better be content with the possessions you already have. You know, the truth is that we're, uh, we've got a lot, even as a church right now. If you look back 24 years ago, our church would have, some of you have been here for a while, our church would have killed to just have this chapel and this worship center. When I first came to the church, we would have killed to have this chapel and that atrium right out there. We've got to be content with what we have. I heard a boy, I heard a boy one time was talking to his teacher and said, teacher, I don't mean to scare you, but my dad said, someone's getting a spanking if I get bad grades. <laughs> you know, can you imagine being that teacher going, yeah, well, it ain't going to be me, boy. You know, the, re the reality of it is sometimes we just show up and we get bad grades. And, and this is just one of those times that the test has been put before us that we were completely, we were, we were not completely unprepared for. We just didn't want. So what do we need to be content with? Figuring out how to do church with a chapel, a game plan center, an atrium, a worship center, and a gym. 
in the grand scheme of churches, boys, that ain't that bad. So your pastor just says, suck it up. We're going to be all right. Does that make sense? We're going to be all right. And so notice what Paul says when we think about be content with the possessions you have. He says, cherish what you do have. Look at verse 10. He says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have received, you have, you have revived, not received, you have revived your concern for me indeed. You were concerned before, but you lacked the opportunity. Now, I, I love the word revived. If you go look in the, in, the, uh, in the Greek word, that revived, it is the same Greek word that you and I would use if we were walking out with our wife and we were looking in the garden, if you have a garden, and, and, and the flowers begin to blossom. It's the same Greek word. It's the Greek word, basically a horticulture word, which means it begins to blossom. And I love what he says. He says, he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now you have revived your, uh, your concern for me. Your concern for me has blossomed. Indeed, you were, in fact, concerned before, but you just simply lacked the opportunity. Notice, he says it's never too late to blossom in our concern for someone else. Now, for you and I, as we journey through life, uh, we, there might be someone that we've been concerned about. My, my prayer is, as I think about this word blossom, that my prayer is in the midst of this stirring up, in the midst of us taking our life groups to homes and to businesses and stuff like that, that our evangelistic call would be revived. It would blossom again in the spring. Every year, Every year, and we're doing it again this year. How many of you know we say every year we're going to make you door hangers, we're going to do something, go to your neighbors to your right and to your left across the street and invite them to Easter, right? Invite them to Cottonwood so they can, they can hear the gospel message. And here's the reality. If you invite them, they may or may not come to Cottonwood, but they may go somewhere, right? And we want them to go somewhere to hear the gospel. But here, here's the reality, God. We have to allow situations and circumstances to blossom and change us. Here's what we also know. How many of you know that the church should be about sharing the gospel? How many of you know that every believer should be about sharing the gospel? How many of you know that most believers don't share the gospel? How many of you know that 90% of our church simply will not even invite their neighbor to church this Easter? Maybe this is God saying, don't trust in your facilities. Don't trust in the space. Don't trust in other people. It's about us reviving ourselves and our concern for someone else. Because here's what I know. I, know, I love what he said. He, he said, listen, it's not that you didn't have any concern. You just didn't have the opportunity. Maybe God in the midst of this is giving us the opportunity to go meet in spaces and places we otherwise wouldn't, whether it's a Chick-fil-A on a Sunday morning or a place in Allen. Uh, somebody has a, biz, a place of business in Allen, and they have basically opened up their gym, their place of business, and now we have life group classes meeting in there just like on Sunday morning. They're early, middle, and late. I mean, they're just, they just said, hey, come on in. And houses have opened, the, opened up, and my prayer is by God moving us out there, we would re-energize and our concern for other people would blossom again. Now, look, not only do we need to cherish what we do have, um, notice what he says. Learning contentment 
It is an education course. It's not something that comes natural. Have you ever noticed that? I've had four kids. How many of you have had more than four kids? Anybody had more than four kids? Well, my wife did. Okay, you got more. I have noticed that I have yet, whatever I'm doing, I'm doing wrong because I've yet to birth a content kid. Every, all four of my kids wanted every toy and everything that was in the room. How many of you know what I said? You ever had to, anybody in here had to t- ever had to teach your kid to be selfish? Now, son, come here. Now, listen, we just need to shut down this whole kindness and generosity thing. No, what do we do? You sit down with your kids and say, listen, just give that back to your sister, right? Or give that back to your brother. Or it's not all yours. I mean, that's something that has to be learned. So here's what Paul says. He he says this in verse 11. He says, not that I speak from want, for I have learned, everybody say learned. I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances we have. Let me tell you, this is one of those weed out classes. This is a weed out class. This is learning contentment is not an easy class. I remember my da- my daughter Jordan uh, went to OU and uh, she was going up there to be a chemical engineer and they started in the process and I really thought immediately that uh, man she's making 4.0s and queen of the engineering schools and, and and I just thought after that first semester that scholarship I'm thinking a female chemical engineer there's got to be scholarships for everybody right I mean if anybody and I just expected them to get it and they didn't roll in the second year and I'm like really But then after her, after her second year, they started rolling in. And then she began to find out why. They're not going to give chemical engineering students scholarships their freshman year because most of them fell out. You have to go through the weed-out classes. And then by the time she got to her senior year, all it cost us was 600 bucks. There's lots of money waiting for those who can make it through the class. Does that make sense? Contentment, guys, is a weed-out class. When you and I journey through a season where we have to learn contentment, most people don't make it. And let me tell you what, when you fail contentment 101, you know what the outcome is? Bitterness, selfishness, anger, isolation. That, those are the grades. And, and contentment 101 is a weed out class. And, and Paul says, not that I speak from want. <laughs> well, you should, because Paul's got nothing. He's in a prison. He says, not that I speak from want. He says, for I've learned, I've, I've learned this, to be content in whatever I had. Man, he says, I'm content with my circumstances. I'm content with my, 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 my place. He says, I'm not going to be focused on my material things or my life's adversaries. I'm not going to see this guy next to me as a problem. Man, we are a discontented people, though. 
I mean, think about where we've come in our country. I ran across an article that talks about contentment. That back in 1970s, the average large grocery store had no more than 9,000 items. The last study that I saw for a grocery store to survive, regardless of its size, it better have over 40,000 items. Why? Because we want what we want. Not only do we want in the Caton house, not only do we want a certain kind of hot sauce, we don't just want hot sauce, we want a certain kind of hot sauce. We just don't want a certain kind of hot sauce. We want a certain brand that has a certain style with a certain texture. And in the Caden house, not only do we want hot sauce with a certain style and a certain brand, a certain consistency, but we also want a certain nuclear hot level that you can't just find anywhere. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We all have our wants and our things, and now we have people that are gluten and gluten-free and post-gluten-free and whatever. I don't know what that means. I just made that up. I don't know if that's real. But we have all of this stuff. Why? Because we're a discontent people. I mean, we, we've got more things. Guys, do you realize we have more food in our diet aisles today? than most grocery stores had in their entire stores 25 years ago. And aren't we the healthier for it? I mean, just give me a chip. Give us, you know, part of the problem is, if you'll just give, me, give us all one style of chip, we'll eat fewer chips. How many of you know? But you put the word healthy on them, low fat, low this, low that, I'm going to mow through a bag, right? So it hadn't worked out for us. And so I love what Paul says. He says, guys, don't ever forget, contentment is not something that comes natural. It's something we have to learn. And how do you learn something? You, you hear the lesson. We've been given a lesson. You might be given a lesson in your life. The lesson is your roof wasn't good enough. I don't know that that was the exact lesson, but you understand the roof wasn't good enough, right? And that maybe some of the things that you liked and you celebrated and you, and, and, and you, and you thought that those were the keys to being a good life group or a good believer or a good church or whatever. They're not because now all of a sudden they're stripped away. So what do we learn? Man, we go through the breakout course. We go through the difficult course. We navigate through, well, what do I really need to share the gospel? Well, I need God's Word. I need a heart that is in love with other people. I need a understanding and a call that it's not just the pastor that's the evangelist. It's me. And why is it me? Because I actually live next door to them, to them, to them, and to them and to them and Paul says I've learned I'm not going to focus on this guy as an adversary I'm going to share the gospel and that's where we need to understand I've learned regardless of where I am what I have now notice if you are going to learn this the beauty of this course is you better be flexible you better be flexible some of the most miserable miserable people I've ever known in my life are inflexible people Michael, you can leave now. Okay, good. <laughs> but, but notice what Paul says in verse 12. 
He says, if you are going to learn, if you're going to pass this course, you better have some flexibility. Now, Paul is writing, man, from prison. That's his circumstances. Uh, he, 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 and this is what you also need. Paul is not just in prison. There are people who are going into church, churches that Paul had planted and bad-mouthing him. How many of you know that about Paul's ministry? There were some Judaizers and some people going back into churches that Paul had planted and bad-mouthing him. I mean, Paul had, had it all. It was, he, he was facing death, but look what he says in verse 12. He says, I know how to get along with humble means. Look at his flexibility. And I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstances, I have, what's that word again, guys? What's the word? Learned in any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both having abundance and suffering in need. Man, he talks about there are going to be extremes in life. There are going to be seasons when we're on the mountaintops and seasons when we're in the deep, dark valleys, seasons where momentum is taking us down and we've got the brakes on fully, and there are seasons that we're doing everything we can to get, the, get enough horsepower to get us up the hill. But the key to being content and having joy in our life is we've got to be flexible. We can't be so rigid and stringent in our life, in our relationships, and our walk with God, and the way we do church, that we can't celebrate any change. Man, we have got to be flexible. And that's what Paul says. He says, I've learned. Paul says, there was a season in life where I didn't have much. And he goes, there's a season in life where I had a lot. He says, there were seasons in life when things were good, and there are seasons in life that things are bad. He says, right now in my season of life, this isn't so good. I'm chained in a Roman prison. I'm being bad-mouthed in churches that I planted by people who don't even know me. They're talking about me. And he goes, and for all I know, I may die. But he goes, while I'm in here, in this station, and in this season of life, let me write to those of you who are free. And he goes, I've learned to be flexible. And guys, some of us would do good in our relationships with our wife or with our kids or at the office or at the job or in church or whatever, to learn to be flexible from time to time. Some things just need to roll off your back. How many of you know that? That is a spiritual gift a lot of times. Just let it go. Man, I will promise you, Justin, he's more than me because he's, he's Captain Critical. There are things that go on in this church all the time that I could be in a fight all the time. How many of you understand that? You want to know why that is? Because there's more than four of us in this church. And you like different music than I like. And some people want it hotter and some people want it colder. And believe it or not, I don't know if you knew this, some people want us to turn the music down. But how many of you would put yourself in that category? Just FYI, there are more people that want us to turn it up. You just don't know. Be flexible. Bob, what, Bob went, what? 
Yeah, and you're one of the ones that want us to turn it down, Bob. You can't hear doodly squat anyway, so just let others enjoy it. Well, you want to, never mind. I'm not going to get it. <laughs> Scott, uh, Justin's over there. Don't say it, Pastor. Don't say it. We've got to learn to be flexible. We've got to learn to be flexible. I'm growing. I'm, he's, he said encouraging words. He's, he thinks someday I'm going to grow up. Because I want you to know, if I ever do lose my mind, God help all of y'all. Because if I ever lose the governor on my mouth, it is going to be about a fun three weeks, and then we're all not going to have a job. But anyway, we got to learn to be flexible. Guys, where are you right now in your season? Are things really good? I mean, I, I want to be honest. How many of you would say, things in my life are pretty good? That's awesome. How many of you would say things in your life are mediocre? And it's okay to be here. Mediocre. Got some mediocre. Keith, I'm, I'm looking at Keith. Um, if you don't know Keith, you had a bad last year. Keith had multiple back surgeries and stuff. He's like the bionic back of all people. This dude went to, uh, to our ski trip with us, not this year, but last year. I thought he was going to die on the mountain. In fact, I almost buried him once. Might as well just get it over with. And that's the way he looked. Wasn't a good year. He's better. Now, he, I'm gonna tell you, you're still not on the top of the mountain. Walking, watching, walking around. So here's the reality. How many of you would say you're in a deep, sp dark space? You're in a bottom space. Okay, sure not. Okay, we, we, it's okay. We have, we have one guy. Let me, let me tell you what, guys. Learn to, learn to accept that where you are and be flexible because you won't always be in a dark space, nor will you all be on the mountaintop. Every guy who raised your hand, you're on the mountain. How many of you know you will not always be on the mountaintop? And it could come like a hailstorm. Before the sun goes down today, your mountaintop could turn into a dark valley. How many of you understand that? Guys, and that's where we've got to learn. That's when, that's when life really gets real. That's when the relationships you have with other men really get real. That's when, listen to this, you find out if you really do trust your God. And that's important, and that's why Paul says, he says, I know what it is to have humble means. I also know what it is to have great prosperity. He says, listen, in any and every circumstances, I have learned the secret of being filled and the secret of being uh, content and going hungry and having abundance and suffering. Now listen, look at what he says in verse 13. He says, man, be content with your position. It's not about your possessions. Be content with your positions. Verse 13, he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. How many of you have seen that verse at some sporting event or you've heard someone talk about it after winning a national championship or something like that? Uh, how many of you have heard that verse before? It's, it's one of those things that, um, that uh, one of those verses is, which is the most misused verse in Scripture. Because what do we usually use this as? I can do all things. I can go jump small buildings. 
I can make a million dollars. I can overcome cancer. I can win this victory. Do you want to know what that translation should be? That word that is translated do is better translated endure. I can endure all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, I want you to know, when I get voted as pastor of the year, I'm going to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But I want you to know, that best translation is, I can endure all things through Christ who strengthens me. So what does that mean? When I'm in a season of difficulty, if I'm walking with Christ, and I've got my friends around me, and my faith is growing, I can endure being chained in prison to someone I don't know. So that means that I can go through cancer and be chained to chemo and to a nurse and be homebound because if I go out, I don't have white blood cells. Does that make sense? That's when that verse becomes real, guys. Not after you win the national championship. If you're going through the loss of a job, I can't endure all things when I have my right friends around me. I've got a growing faith. And, I learn, and I've already learned contentment to be with little, to be with much. Now, I want to encourage you guys, whatever you can do, do what Paul did. Learn the secret of contentment before you have to endure something. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's good to learn it before you have to do it. Most of us learn contentment in an on-the-job training mode with no instructor. Is that I haven't learned to go through a difficult season in life until I'm going through a difficult season in life. Paul says, before you get there, put your possessions in their proper place. I can live with or without them. Does that make sense? And if I find myself with much, Paul says, learn to live with it. If I find myself with little, learn to live with it. And you better learn that because there is going to come a day when Philippians 4 verse 13 is going to show up on your door. And the question for you is, can you endure all things through Christ who strengthens you? You say, where does that start, Pastor? First of all, it starts with a relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ. God has sent His Son for you. That's what Easter is all about. Do you have the relationship with Christ? Number two, are you willing to say, God, I don't desire to be here. I don't want to be here, but I am here. What do you want me to learn? Then who do you want me to surround myself with? Paul, although he's in a difficult space, he did not want to go through prison alone. So if you're going through a dark season, do not isolate yourself from God's people. Find groups here at the church. We've got Celebrate Recovery. We've got Counseling Ministry. We've got men's groups. We've got women's groups. None of y'all can go to our women's groups. 
No, we have lots of groups. Why? Because isolation is the death, is the death of dark spaces in our lives. I can do all things, endure all things through Christ who strengthens me only when I've learned to be content with much and with little. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these guys. God, thank you for the opportunity just to uh, journey with them day by day and celebrate your goodness and your grace. God, I do pray that you bless each and every one of these men today. Bless their health, bless their wealth, bless their occupation, bless their relationships. For those who are walking through a difficult season, whether it's with pain or just uh, some sort of addiction, maybe there's some in here, God, that we don't even know about. They're struggling with, a, with an addiction. Uh, God, I pray that they would not isolate themselves, but they would be encouraged to journey on, to learn to live with much, learn to live with little, but learn to endure it all through their relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.